Welcome to Post Game with Paul Golden, a sports and faith podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly. Thanks for joining us. Today's guest is Sean Casey. Sean played 12 years in the major leagues, going to three All-Star games. Sean most recently was the hitting coach for the New York Yankees and currently serves as an analyst on the MLB Network. In addition to sharing his infamous Bob Feller story, Sean details his time with the Yankees and gives his take on Aaron Judge, Juan Soto, and the 2024 season. You'll be encouraged as he talks about his faith, family, and post-career activities. Now, here's your host of the Post Game Podcast, Paul Golden. Hey, it's great to have the mayor, Sean Casey, on a Post Game with Paul Golden. He's a 12-year Major League Baseball vet. He played for five different teams, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Cincinnati, and we'll even mention Boston, although we don't count them. <laughs> uh, three-time All-Star. He's on the uh, MLB Network. Uh, he, last year, he was the hitting coach with the Yankees. He has his own podcast called The Mayor's Office. But it's great to have you on our podcast. So, Sean, yeah. welcome to the show. Yeah, hey, what's up, Paul? Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it, brother. It is great to have you on. You Years ago, you were voted in as the nicest or friendliest guy in all of baseball. And is that how yeah. you got the nickname, The Mayor? Yeah, you know, I got the nickname the mayor by uh, a guy that's now the Ohio State head coach named Bill Moziello. He was my Cape Cod League uh, manager back in when I was in college, and he just would always bust my chops about saying hi to everybody and like guys at first base or just anyone I would see. I was always saying hi to people. Like, man, it looks like you're lobbying for votes every time I see you're talking to somebody. Looks like you're lobbying for votes and. And uh, that's kind of the origin of the, of the mayor nickname, how it started. And, and that 2007, I believe, Sports Illustrated poll of who the friendliest guy in the game was, you know, meant a lot to me because I think it was like 450 guys were literally polled. You know, it wasn't just like uh, 10 people or a couple people here and there. So, you know, to get like 46% of the vote or something like that, it was, it was uh, anytime it comes from your peers, it's, it's really a cool thing. And that's just, the only reason that is because, I'm at first base and have a chance to talk to him. I think the other the other two nicest guys are both first basemen too, Mike Sweeney and Jim Tomey. So it just says something about, you know, if you're at first base, you got you get to spend time with guys. You you were born in South Jersey and now you live outside uh, Pittsburgh, you're a Yinzer, so you yeah. get the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, dude, you know, yeah. I've been in I've been a Yinzer since I was five. So we, I you know, grew up in grew up in Jersey uh, or was ra- born in Jersey, lived there till I was five, moved here in kindergarten and have uh been out here ever since never i my my parents are both long island uh new yorkers so you know we had more like uh more new york accents in my house growing up so i never never developed a yinzer but i definitely have some like down there he's going you know it's like just like you know like oh man just i i'll say some things even on mlb network sometimes like oh that's a shot down the line i'm like whoa i down the line you know <laughs> have you ever watched a uh, Pittsburgh dad that, that uh, oh it's so good yeah oh he's so good I've gotten a chance to hang out with him a couple of times that guy's a beauty he's got some great stuff so yeah shout out to yeah. Pittsburgh and uh, South Jersey yeah. <laughs> hey you not only revoted the friendliest guy in all of baseball but you might have been uh considered the slowest guy having been thrown out from left field can you tell us about that story that that's a great story oh man well I'll tell you what I was uh uh, we were facing this guy, John Garland, uh, that day and I, he was, he was cruising along. And I remember my first about to hit a line drive to left center. And, and I think that the, 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 um, uh, center fielder, Brian Anderson made an incredible play diving play, you know, as a matter of fact, it turned out to be the play of the night. 
and the, and the, and the unplay of the night was me getting thrown from left. So I was involved in the number one play of the night and the, the number one unplay of the night um, on ESPN that night. And then the next at bat, I came up, I was, you know, got a sinker down in a way. I hit a rocket to left and Joe Creedy, the third baseman jumps up and catches it. And then he looks at it. now, now don't think Paul, I didn't get thrown out. I didn't hit it to left and run and get thrown out. I hit it. I thought Creedy caught it. So I started to walk off and I walked off for, you know, what seemed like five minutes, but the crowd started, I thought Creedy caught the ball. And, and obviously when you're playing baseball, you don't usually hustle out a line out. If you line out, you're out. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I didn't like, wasn't going to hustle down to first. So I turned around, the crowd started cheering and I was like, what's going on? Is there a fight break out in the stands? And what it did was it changed my angle. Cause I was walking back to the dugout. And as I looked, it was uh, Pablo Zuna was picking the ball up in left field, bare hands. It comes up throwing and gets me at first base. It was it was inc- it was incredible. I was obviously, you know, probably the first guy. And I think one other guy it's happened to in the history of the game. But you know what? You know what? It's a great lesson too, brother. Because, you know, um, first off, knowing, thank God, I had the opportunity to play in the big leagues. Because if if I got thrown out le- from left field in the minors or high school or whatever, no one cares. They care because you're in the big leagues. And the second thing was when I when it first happened to me, I must admit, I was I was probably the most embarrassing moment of my life. You know, it was uh, it was didn't think it was too funny for years really didn't like it it really one of those things but i think it just goes to show you too like in life you're gonna have things that happen that are embarrassing you're gonna have things that don't go your way you know more often than than you do you know and at the end of the day i had to accept reality that like that, that happened or whatever and you know you have to be able to get back on your feet and be ready to go like i still had two more at bats that game i remember getting coming back out from my third at bat and getting booed relentlessly which i had never been booed like that in my career because i think i think they thought that i was i think they thought that i was you know dogging it which i wasn't like i said it was an honest mistake and so you know to get back in the box and to get in there you know with with, with a crowd that's pretty ruthless you know, at the end of the day, you got to just keep showing up and you got to keep being relentless in, in life too. So, you know, it was, it's a funny story to look back on at the time. I didn't think it was too funny because it was very embarrassing. But uh, like I said, I, I use it now sometimes in talks too, to, to, to talk about, Hey, you, when you get knocked down, you, you either got two choices. You can go in the corner and suck your thumb or you can come back out swinging and I, you know, came back out swinging. Thank God it never happened again. That's a great life lesson. Yeah. Hey, a couple yeah. years ago, I was with you at a conference and, uh, during the conference, the story got out. You were telling this awesome story about you and Bob Feller. It got it got yeah. so big that the, the conference said, "Hey, let's Sean Casey's going to tell his uh, Bob Feller story." So I went and heard it first person. It was hilarious. <laughs> I'd love to have you tell the infamous Bob Feller story. Oh man, I just told this the other day. I was at Reds Festival out there in Cincinnati. Um, you know what's? Uh, it, it, I was with the I was with the Indians in 1998, and Bob Feller. You know, it's it's funny when I when I look back and I, I was I was looking back at you know I, I was j- being the hitting coach with the Yankees, you know, doing a hitters meeting every day. One day I told the Bob Feller story and I asked them beforehand, "Do you guys know who Bob Feller is?" Like three guys raised their hand. So if you think about Bob Feller, eighty years ago, this guy's high school graduation was was broadcast nationwide on NBC Radio. He was that important. Right. He was one of the best pitchers in the world. He was the only guy at the time, right when Pearl Harbor hit, he left um he, he left Major League Baseball in his prime to go serve in the Navy for I believe four years to fight in World War II when men were men, Paul. You know what I mean? Now guys would be like, no chance. I mean, I would be like, no chance. But Feller 
And these guys were like, we're going to serve, right? Our country. And so, like I said, he, he, he fights World War II on, on two fronts. He fights it on the Pacific and out, and out in, uh, obviously Europe too. So, so in night, in uh, 1998, I'm with the, I'm with the, um, Indians. I'm fighting to make a spot. I come out early one day because I'm like, you know what? I'm going to come out early and press Mike Hargrove, make him know that I'm out there early. And there was one other guy that was out there early. It was Tori Lovello. And Tori Lovello is obviously now is the uh, head coach of the Arizona Diamondbacks. He was at the back end of his career. My career was kind of just starting. We were like probably eight years apart. And uh, so it's a full house in Winter Haven, Florida, because it's just packed um, um, because it's the Cleveland Indians. They're the number one team at the time in, in 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 the league. And Bob Feller comes out every day. He must have been 75 years old or something like that. Comes out every day, full uni, spikes on, you know, comes out, and and the place goes nuts. They're like, ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for the greatest American hero of all time. The living legend himself, number 19, Bob Feller. And, you know, he takes his hat off. The crowd goes crazy. People on their feet. And Bob every day comes out to throw catch. So I guess the Indians are paying him to announce himself place goes crazy. He comes out and throws catch with like, like a, um, a player every day. So sure enough that day, Mike Hargo was like, Hey case. He's like, uh, he's like, can, can you, um, can you, why don't you play catch with feller today? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking to myself, why wow, that'd be great. I got two hits in the biggies. And if I play catch with Bob feller, that'll be amazing. Cause then I'll have two, I'll have uh, three stories to tell. Right. <laughs> so I go out there, I introduce myself. Hey, Mr. Feller, how you doing? He's like, Hey, doing son. Are you going to throw catch me today? I say, yeah, I'm going to throw catch with you. So sure enough, I back up and here we go. Me and feller are you know, playing catch and I, you know, I get the ball. Boom. He throws it to me. I throw it back to him, lob it, get another one, lob it back to him. Then Tori Lavello is in the dugout. I was like, dude, he's like, case, you got to clean it up. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, you got to, Throw the ball to Bob Feller. He's the greatest American hero of all time. You're lobbing it to him, you know, like you're showing him up. I'm like, I am. So, you know, so he's like, give it, you know, give it a throw. And at the time I realized, you know, when, as a player, I kind of had the yips and, and I don't know if you know what the yips are for the viewers out there. You know, it's when you really can't, you, you, you can't throw the ball at a medium pace. You could really kind of lob it what I'm doing, or you could back up and throw it a little harder. There's no like medium ground because you'll throw it away. It's just a mental thing. So, I start to back up because I knew I had the yips. I'm like, if I throw it to Feller, I got to back up a little bit and put something on it because I don't have a medium range. So I'm backing up, backing up, backing up. Even Feller's like, what's this guy doing? So I get about 30, 30 feet back. I realize perfect range. I come out, Paul. I sling it to him. And Feller's sitting there with his glove like this, and the ball just coming 20 feet, 10 feet, 5 feet. He hasn't moved his he hasn't moved his glove, but I am. I have put this ball right on the money. I mean, it's right heading right for his chest. And then at one more feet, bam, it hits him right in the heart. And like Bob Feller just staggers to the right, just staggers to the left. And he goes down like a ton of bricks, just boom, face down on the grass, out cold. Well, not out cold. I, I run, I go flying up because I'm obviously distraught. I just <laughs> hit Bob Feller right in the chest. And, and so I go running up there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Mr. Feller, Mr. Feller, are you okay? And he's just like, oh, in the grass. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm literally like, oh, my God, I just killed Bob Feller. At the time, too, I'm number 56. Who, that means you're like a middle linebacker. You're about to get released anyhow or sent down to the minors. And I can hear the fans going, oh, who's who's 56? Who's 56? EMTs come flying out of the, out of the, out of the stands. They're like literally backing me up. They're like, back up, son, back up. They're, they're down there with Feller. And I'm literally like, I think I killed Bob Feller. Oh, my God, I just killed Bob Feller. I played catch with him. 
screwed a little too hard. So sure enough, here comes the training staff, EMT, everyone's out there looking. So they get after about 10 minutes, they get him to his knees. And they're like, Mr. Feller, what happened? He's like, oh, I was golfing yesterday and I jammed my shoulder in the ground and you know, something must be wrong with my shoulder. And the young lad over here threw it a little too hard. I just couldn't get the glove over in time. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> incredible. So anyway, they get him to his feet. They whisk him off into an ambulance. Mike Hargo, I'm beside myself at this point. Now that, and, and it was a little early, so the team wasn't out there yet. And Jim Tomey finally comes out. He's like, what happened here? I was like, I was playing catch with Feller. I hit him right in the heart. I, I threw it to him right on the money. Hit him right now. He's been down for 10 minutes. So they get him off, and, you know, I'm walking back, and Tory, and Mike Hargo grabs me and puts his arm on. I was like, oh, Case, man, it's your lucky day. I'm like, what do you mean it's my lucky day? He goes, if you'd have killed Bob Feller, you'd definitely have been released. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> God, I don't think of myself. And, the, and, and, the, and the, the ironic thing is the Indians traded me two weeks later. I don't know if it's because of Feller, but it was definitely, uh, you know, definitely for another reason. But it was just incredible. And what's so funny is – Tori Lavella, if you if you brought him over to my house right now and I walked out of the room and you asked him this story, he would tell the exact same story, which is incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. That is a classic story. Yeah. Hey, we're here with Sean Casey, uh, the mayor, uh, three-time All-Star, former Yankee hitting coach, MLB analyst, the Sports and Faith podcast. So, Sean, tell us a little bit about your maybe your faith story, your faith background. Yeah. Oh man, well. Um, you know, raised in a, raised by a strong, in a strong Christian household, you know, was raised, raised Catholic, uh, you know, and, uh, just, uh, you know, for me, faith was a big part of my life from day one, but you know, for me, it was a little, a little different. It was, um, my, my dad was a, I remember coming down every morning to, uh, to, to, to go to breakfast or whatever. My dad was always on the back porch with his Bible and he'd always be in meditation, always be in prayer, contemplation, right? With scripture readings. And, and uh, you know, he was, um, he had brought, he had bought this. Matter of fact, I have it right here. He had bought this. I, I, I've been reading this. It's called Give Us This Day. I've been reading it's probably since I was like 14 or 15 years old. It's just the, 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 the readings for the day. And he would always ask me to, you know, to read them and then contemplate them. And then as uh, my faith really went to another level when I was in the Cape Cod League, when I was 19 years old, started to really feel, you know, that God in my life, the peace, the peace that that brought me was incredible. You know, peace that goes beyond, uh, you know, uh, human understanding. And I, I really feel like that was the time where, where I felt like, you know, that relationship, that connection that I had, you know, was just such an important part of my life. And that, you know, um, you know, just trying to guard your heart you know, as, as much as you could, but yeah, that, that, those, that was, that was, that was my, uh, initiation to faith pretty much my whole life. Um, but also, like I said, when I was about 19 or 20, it started to kind of evolve into something greater. We have a common friend in uh, Brad Henderson. Brad's the yes. chaplain for both the Pittsburgh Penguins and also the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm assuming you connected with him when you were playing with, with Pittsburgh. Is that correct? Yeah, Brad. Brad's a dear friend of mine. Uh, you know, connect with him a lot with Pittsburgh Kids Foundation. I've taken a few trips down to Haiti with him, too. Um, he's doing incredible work down there. And, uh, yeah, I connected with Brad when he was the chaplain uh, for the pirates. So we would, you know, whenever we'd go to chapel on Sundays, when I was with the reds, you know, we kind of struck up a friendship. And then obviously when I moved back to Pittsburgh, we really started to connect more. A few years ago, I was there at the conference. You went public with your faith and, uh, it was a night of PAO and you got baptized. And if I remember right, Brad was there. uh, Yeah. Brad was with me in the pool. Yeah. Oh, it was great. You know, it was, uh, that was a great, 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 great day. And, uh, yeah, to be, be baptized in the pool there with Brad and, uh, and Eddie Taubensee, who was, you know, a great guy that I played with for a couple of years. And obviously he, he and Renee are dear friends and they've, 
you know, their, their faith has affected my life too. So yeah, it was a great, wonderful PAO. I enjoyed that so much. Right. You, you have your own podcast called mayor's office. Yeah. What, what's tell, tell our listeners who might not be familiar with it. What's, what's your podcast like? What's your, yeah. Favorite? Oh man. We've been doing it for two and a half years, Paul. It's been it's a great podcast. Yeah. Called the mayor's office. You can get it on wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple, or whatever. We also do it on video like this on YouTube. So we have a YouTube channel, but you know, uh, we, we initially did it, uh, you know, to really, you know, just talk baseball, but also talk life. And, and, uh, you know, we, we, we do a lot of different things on there. So we, we try to have guests every once in a while. We had Billy Wagner on, the, on, uh, this past week. Um, uh, and we talked a lot about the winter meetings and stuff. And, uh, you know, my, I do it with a, uh, a good friend of mine named Rich Cinchamino, who's really our producer, but he's really become our, my co-host. So we have a great time. It's, it's a fun listen. And it's, you know, 20, we do it daily. So it's 20 to 30 minutes a day, but it's uh, something that we, 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 we both really enjoy. Awesome. Well, check out the mayor's office, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, you were just recently uh, the Yankees uh, hitting coach. A lot of yeah. our listeners are big Yankee fans. What was that like? You came in kind of mid season. What yeah. was that experience like? For you? Uh, it was incredible. It was an incredible experience. You know, um, the guys were great. Brian Cashman was great. Aaron Boone's a dear friend of mine. Uh, the whole staff was great. You know, the, the, the get a chance to be the hitting coach for Aaron Judge and, you know, Volpe and DJ LeMahieu and Stanton and those guys, Glaber Torres, just a lot of really good guys, a great organization. And I just, I jumped at the opportunity because I think to a man, you know, if you playing baseball all those years, you, who doesn't want to wear the pinstripes at some point? And to have that opportunity to do was, was phenomenal. Now, did you and Booney play together in Cincinnati? Is that the connection? Yeah, we played together for six years in Cincinnati, 1998 to 2003, I believe. Well, this offseason, the big news for the Yankees was signing Juan Soto. Does that make you want to come out of a retirement? And Yeah, I was like, Booney, you think I can come back? <laughs> but I, you know what? I think I was, I, I, I'm, you know, I do feel a connection to the Yankees now having that, had that experience, but they needed Juan Soto. They needed Verdugo. They needed left-handed bats in that lineup. But to get a guy like Soto to pair with Judge, I mean, Judge is the best, best players I've ever seen in my life. So to get him and Soto, who could be the best, arguably the best right-handed hitter and best left-handed hitter in the game in the same lineup, I mean, they're just going to go to another level. Uh, here in Scranton, when Judge came through as a minor league player, the first time I saw him, met him in person, it was just incredible. Like, you think he's a, a tight end for the New York Giants, not a center fielder for the Yankees. Is, is he the biggest guy that you've seen or played with in baseball? He's the big, I thought Adam Dunn was the biggest until judge, until I saw judge. I mean, judge is such a big guy. I mean, it's every bit of six, seven, six, eight, you know, two sixty five, two seventy, with just solid muscle. One of the best athletes I've ever seen can just run like the wind and has a cannon of an arm. And I think one of the biggest things though, is, you know, when your best player is your best person, you know, that makes it easy for everybody. And, uh, Aaron judge is, one of the best human beings I've ever met in my life. You were on the inside there, obviously, for half a season. What's the biggest misconception for a lot of Yankee fans? I mean, you were on the inside. What's the misconception? I know the analytics versus old school. I mean, what? You know, what, I what think you when see? you, if you're the Yankees and you go 82 and 20, they're going to look for reasons. You know, they have a great analytics department. They have great people in that, in that place too. Everyone's doing analytics. You know, every, every, everybody has a huge analytics department. So I think that's more of a looking for a reason. You know, at the end of the day, they had a lot of injuries. You know, they, Nestor Cortez was out for the year. Rodon didn't come on for, you know, he missed a ton of the season with injuries and didn't pitch well. Uh, you know, Michael King and Garrett Cole kind of solidified that rotation. 
Um, but, you know, and Clark Schmidt, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, injuries, you know, a judge being out for two months really, 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 really hurt the Yankees. Listen, 2024 Yankees, I think it was a good thing that they struggled a little bit because it put a little fire under Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman to say, you know what, we got we to gotta tighten up some pieces, go get some lefty bats, and, uh, and they're doing that. The 2024 season looks, uh, looks bright. Yeah, watch out, watch out, yeah. <laughs> Your first at bat, I remember hearing you tell a story about facing this young kid named Clayton Kershaw. Tell us yeah. about that at bat. Oh, man. Well, I'll tell you what. It was 2008 spring training. My last spring training, obviously, Clayton Kershaw's first. But I was coming up in the sixth inning for my third at bat. I look out on the mound. It's number 89. So I went to Dave Magan. You know who this guy is? Like, no idea. So I go to Tito. Hey, you know who this guy is? Big lefty on the mound. He goes, no, some uh, rookie some, uh, you know, uh, minor leaguer, they're trying to get, get him some work. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I go out there first to bat, 98 outside black. I'm like, what? And I look over at Joe Torrey and Larry Bowe, who was manager at the time. They're both la- giggling, you know? I'm like, oh, they, these guys must know something I don't know. He hits me with a curveball that was like a Barry Zito curveball, just so nasty, Paul. Like, it was almost behind me. Then, bam, strike two. Next pitch, fastball away, just misses. Next pitch, strike three. See you later. Good morning, afternoon, good night. I remember going back to Doug going, you don't know who this guy is? And Terry Frank going, Tito goes, I don't know who it is, but I'm just glad I'm not you right now. <laughs> and I look over at Bo and Tori, they're laughing and stuff like that. And they're like, and I found out who the guy's name was. It was so nasty. I'm like, who was this kid? Like Clayton Kershaw. I was like, who was that masked man? You know what I mean? And like three months later, Kershaw gets called up and dominates. And I'm like, that's the dude I faced. That's the dude I faced. <laughs> that's the guy. And sure enough. Sure enough. Uh, you know, here we are. You know, the next stop for him is Cooperstown. That's awesome. What's next for Sean Casey? What's in your future? Any big plans? Oh uh, man, you know projects? what? I, I got a, I got a good things going on, Paul. I'm 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 still doing the Major League Baseball Network, which I love. I'm still doing that. It's my 16th year doing that. Um, uh, I have a mental performance program, uh, coaching program. I started a, a year ago called the, uh, Breakthrough Pro. If you go to breakthrough-pro.com. Um, you know, you can check it out. So I really enjoy doing that. I think that's such a big part of life and, and the game. Um, and then uh, I, I, I have a charity called the Miracle League of the South Hills where we, it's a, a you know, a, a Miracle League. We, it's a baseball field, specialized baseball field. Um, we have over 400 kids that we serve with Down syndrome and cerebral palsy and, and uh, autism or whatever the needs are. And uh, that's an incredible thing too that I really, really enjoy doing. Uh, and I got two daughters still at home. I got one daughter that's a senior in high school and I have one daughter that's in eighth grade and, uh, you know, they take up a lot of my time too. So, and I just got married a couple of weeks ago too. So I got a lot going on, dude. I got a, I got a lot of action. Congratulations <laughs> on the marriage. Are you coaching you, the buddy. girls? Are they in sports? Are they- uh, you know, they play volleyball. So I, I'm more of a fan. That's good. That's <laughs> yeah, great. I'm more of a fan. So I enjoy it. Hey, Sean Casey, thank you so much. And yeah. Talk to you Thanks. soon. Thanks a lot, Paul. Great having you on, man. I mean, great being on with you, brother, and I'll see you down the road, my man. We trust you were encouraged by this conversation with Sean Casey. If you enjoyed it, we'd ask that you subscribe to the Post Game with Paul Golden podcast. This way you'll not miss an upcoming episode. And while you're at it, share this podcast with that sports fan that you know. To help underwrite the expenses of this unique sports and faith podcast, simply go to our website, paulgolden.org and click donate. That's paulgolden.org. Once again, thanks for joining us for Post Game with Paul Golden.